0: Hello and welcome to our sparring session. In our sparring sessions, we invite our guests to showcase their skills in a realistic scenario. In these sessions, don't look at what I do, look at what our guest does, and learn from their style. In some sessions I'm pretty easy to deal with, but usually my goal in these conversations is to become the embodiment of your worst nightmare, someone who's unnaturally persistent, unnecessarily difficult, and at times a little bit socially awkward. I want these conversations to be more difficult than it would be in real life, so when you encounter these types of situations, you'll know exactly how to handle it. We do the exact same things in our trainings and in our one-on-one coaching sessions with clients. I strongly recommend listening to the accompanying episode with our guest before listening to the sparring session. That'll give you a little bit more context and help you to develop a better understanding for the scenario. So without further ado, let's jump into this sparring session. Okay, we are now in our sparring session, and to give you a little bit more context of uh, what's going on here, This is going to be a situation where I am uh, putting my attorney hat back on and uh, playing the role of the big bad lawyer on the purchasing company side. And Brandon will be the sales rep. And I am trying to bully him a little bit on some of these uh, killer clauses. And so I'm going to try to sneak it through. And um, Brandon's going to show how he can tactfully address that. And then we'll do a debrief at the end. Mr. Bruce, thanks for coming in the office today.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me in.
0: I appreciate it. No, oh, it's my pleasure. I wanted to uh, chat with you about this deal because everything looks good. The numbers look good. I sent you the preferred contract that we use, our standard contract, I should say. And um, we just want to
1: get this across the finish line and move forward and work together. Absolutely. We're excited to do business with you all. Uh, I feel like we're very close. We went through and reviewed the contract. We're happy to accept virtually all of the clauses that you've included. They are different, of course, from our standard contract, but change in jurisdiction, change in venue, your preferred payment terms. Those are all fine with us. We're happy to accept those. The one thing that we picked out that we noticed that we're not willing to go forward with is the, the termination for convenience. We feel like this is a contract we're both committing to the relationship, we're committing to provide the service, and you're committing to be a customer and pay for it. And so that's not something that we feel comfortable including. With regard to commitment, I uh, understand that's the purpose of the contract, yes, but I, I want to clarify
0: We are committing to work together as long as we're able to agree on these terms, right? And uh, like I mentioned before, we've been in business for uh, over a decade at this point, and we've been using the same contract for the majority of the time. At least uh, I've been here about seven or eight years, and we've been using the same contract. And I can't remember a time where anybody had any problems with the terms that we've put together. So I'm a little bit taken aback that you would characterize this contract in this way.
1: Yeah, understood. And and we want to make sure that that you understand that we're committed to providing a great service. We don't think that there would be any need for you to ever exercise that clause. But we're not comfortable in the ability to terminate at any time and then have recourse to get a refund for the rest of the time. That just uh, that lacks in fairness to our side for all of our team that's going to be working on your behalf to provide you with the service, to build it in the first place, and deliver it. And so that's why we have an issue with the clause. Now we have found in other deals, there's a couple ways that we can get this through and still even include the clause in the contract. One way is you can leave the clause in, you can certainly, you're happy to uh, terminate at any time. However, we would ask for the refund aspect of that clause to be removed. That way, certainly you can stop using the service. However, we wouldn't be obligated to return the money to you. The other way that we've used successfully, because sometimes the standard contract just has to be used without changes. We understand that. Leave the contract in as is, but in the scope of work, we can include a line that stipulates that that clause won't apply to this particular scope of work. And that can be an effective way. That way, your standard contract is still in place. However, we get kind of the mutuality and the commitment that we need on our side. Mr. Bruce, let me ask you a question here. Are you confident in your product? Absolutely. We've got thousands of customers that are using it successfully every day, so we have total confidence in it. Absolutely. That's what I expected. And the reason that we are this
0: close to a deal isn't because we recognize that you're the only provider with this solution. It's that we recognize that you are an industry leader and we want to work with you. And so we have no incentive to pull back from this agreement when we're using the industry leader. Like I said, this is standard. It's not that we are we're trying to bail out or we or we have commitment issues. This is just what we do to protect our clients. But at the same time, I have the same level of confidence in your product that you do. And so I can't imagine a situation where we need to utilize this contract. So again, I'm just a little bit, uh, I'll go to the same phrase I used before, taken aback that this has become an issue. This is a business deal, and um, now your company is in a position where you're struggling to get business because uh, you're paying so much attention to the standard clause in a standard contract.
1: Yeah, uh, totally understand. And similarly, we have total confidence in the integrity of your client, of their ability and willingness to pay, and that they'll do what they say they're going to do. So if they enter into a contract, that they'll honor that contract. This is just a way to make sure that the legal language reflects that level of commitment. We found that we want to enter into partnerships with our customers, and so we can't have on the legal side of it is language that doesn't reflect the true partner aspect of the deal. Uh, language that says, well, we're kind of partners, but one of us can back out anytime. So just as we wouldn't leave your customer in the lurch by just turning off the service for convenience, because we felt like it, even though they're relying on it every day. Similarly, we don't want your client, the customer to say, hey, just for convenience, we decided not to continue with the product for no reason. Now, naturally, if our product ever had any issues with it, that's provided for in the contract. There's recourse there to say, if there is an outage, if there's downtime, if it doesn't meet the level of our documentation, if the feature that you specifically purchased gets discontinued, then you have the ability to claw back on that or to discontinue the service. And we stand behind those terms 100%. But the pure convenience that we can just simply walk away and not give a reason, there's no cause, isn't something that we feel like provides that foundation for the partnership we're looking for with our customers.
0: Hey, everyone, I just wanted to pop in and give you a quick reminder about our workshop on February 27th in Columbus, Ohio. It is going to be a lot of fun, and I know you're going to get a lot out of it. Based on the feedback from the participants of previous workshops, the benefits of the workshop include feeling more confident in their ability to get what they want and need out of these conversations and the belief that they know what to say, when to say it and how to say it in order to maximize impact during these difficult conversations. If you want to learn more about the workshop and you want to see the testimonials from people who have been in the workshops before, check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days.
1: We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Beret's story and the lessons that follow,
0: listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. So you did a really great job with me and my bad attitude because you were very friendly and very respectful the entire time. But I was combative, intentionally so. And um, I was trying to make it seem as though you were being aggressive or unreasonable with your request. And you didn't allow that to shake you. And that was very, very good. You maintained a calm demeanor throughout. So that's something to pay attention to in this. Also, once I explained, uh, thoroughly explained my issues or my concerns, you came with three options. And I don't want the audience to miss that because those options were great. Can you go through those options for the audience and tell them a little bit about the, uh, the reasoning behind the options you provided?
1: I mean, sometimes what we found is that I would kind of obsess about this. Hey, we're not going to accept the termination for convenience. But strangely, and this is true, sometimes the customer is just specifying that if they really want to, they could stop using the service which is kind of a strange thing because it's like, of course you can. Let's say you buy a car. It's like saying, well, I don't want to be forced to drive the car every day. It's like, Nope. Once you buy it, that's totally your choice. You can drive it all day every day or you can drive it once in a while or whatever. But some customers have the desire to just specify like we're not going to be forced to use this. If for some reason we can't that day or that week or that month or we have a transition or whatever, and it's like, oh, that's fine. Because what we're really concerned about as the seller is we don't want to be put in a weird position where just for convenience, the customer's canceled and now they want a, a refund because they felt like it. there's nothing wrong with the product. Everything was going swimmingly. They've used it. They've gotten value from it, but they just up and decided it's time to get our money back. And so we've had situations where the, the clause stays in, but just the right to demand a refund goes away. So it just simply says, we have the right to terminate at any time. And we're like, that's fine, go ahead. But the money's prepaid and you don't call it back. So that's one path forward that's worked on several occasions. And then the second path, which was created by a client, we didn't come up with it, but it was very effective, was the termination for convenience was in their standard form, just as in our conversation. And it had to be in there. It was like, this form doesn't change. We use this, like you said in the call, we use this every time. This is not going to be the first time out of all those times that we're going to change it. That's just going to be really hard. It's going to take a long time. It's going to have to go to the top of the legal totem pole. That's not a process we want to go through. And so they created an end around where the clause stayed in there, but the scope of work that defines what we give each other, this is the money that's going to get paid. This is the application that's going to be provided on what timeline, et cetera, includes a little line that just says, you know. Clause 38B4 is not applicable to the scope of work. And 38B4 is termination for convenience. And so that was an effective way of just stripping it. The easier way, obviously, is just to remove it from the master agreement. But instead, they left it in the master agreement and used the scope of work to take it away. And I thought, well, that's clever. They got what legal needed, which was it's in every contract that we ever send to vendors. So they're covered. And we got what we needed, which is it doesn't apply to us.
0: Right. And for the listeners who might have missed this, essentially what we're saying is that there's no company is a monolith. There are going to be different segments within the company that has different interests. And oftentimes the business interests and the legal interests are in at conflict. And so there's something that lawyers will obsess about It's a situation that is incredibly unlikely and may have never happened to the company before and has no impact on the functioning of the business that they will just fixate on. Sometimes attorneys get in the way when it comes to closing those deals. And so I remember one time I was uh, working with a uh, sports team, a professional sports team. They said that what the business folks did was they decided that because the lawyers could not get on the same page with regard to the contract provisions, the business entities that would actually be monitoring enforcement said, listen, we just won't monitor that. (laughs) It's not important to us. It's not important enough for us to lose this deal leave that provision in, and we simply won't monitor it, and the lawyers won't know the difference. And so a lot of the times with the scope of work, that's just a business concern. And so like you said, in your option, which was incredibly creative, we will say in the scope of work that this provision is nullified for this particular contract. So the lawyers are satisfied, but also the business interests are satisfied as well.
1: Everybody wins. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Win-win. Imagine that. (laughs) It's possible. It's possible. (laughs) Right. Another thing that I was trying to do was frame the conversation in a way that was beneficial to me, and so the frame that I was bringing to the conversation and for those of you who don 't know what a frame is, uh, a simple definition is it 's the storyline that we put over the conversation it 's the our way of looking at it the context and so in the way I was framing the conversation was that this contract is standard, and um, when you do an analysis of power. You have to consider the status quo and the norms at play, industry standards, those things. Those matter and they're persuasive. And so I kept on going back to this is how we've always done it. This is how we've always done it. This is how we've always done it. And your frame was fairness (laughs) and protection. And it's a powerful frame. But if you subconsciously accept the frame of the other party, you're going to be negotiating from behind. And so one of the things that was great about the way that you addressed the conversation was that you never accepted the frame that I provided. Instead, you just kept on focusing on the fairness issue and the uh, protection and the business relationship, which
1: are all powerful frames. So I just wanted to point that out to the listeners as well. One other quick point that I'll mention is Sometimes in these conversations, it will be lawyer representing customer directly, like in this case, to someone on the sales team, right? Just trying to get the deal done here. It can be very effective to have an agent. There's a reason why all these sports celebrities and actors and musical acts have agents that operate on their behalf is then there's multiple levels of negotiation, right? Hey, I'm just the messenger. I'm doing this on behalf of my client or something gets really hard. I don't know if I can accept that. It sounds great, but I'm going to have to take that back to my client, right? Big Brother is going to have to approve this at the end of the day. So having that on your side of the house as the vendor can also be very effective. And that can have multiple forms. Maybe you have outside counsel, you bring them to the meeting. Maybe you have inside counsel, they come to the meeting. Maybe you don't have counsel at all. Is it possible just to do the markup in Word and do it not in your name? You're not saying that a lawyer looked at it, but you you make up somebody. Uh, Mike Jones reviewed this. And that way, when you're on the call, it's really just you, Joe, having the call. But then you can say, well, this got looked at and marked up by somebody else. I'm going to have to go review it with them. I can't agree to that yet. Someone else is involved here. It's the same sort of trick where as a kid, you don't feel comfortable doing sling, but you kind of don't want to be out there on record saying, I, I don't want to go to the party because it's like, what, are you not cool or something? So you go, oh man, I wish I could go, but my parents said I can't, <laughs> right? It's just using your parents as, as just out there is like, well, you know how it goes when your parents say you can't do something, you just can't. It's just the way because they're an authority. So having this third party agent, especially if the agent has authority, can be helpful so that it's not you saying no, like you're creating a barrier to getting this deal done. Like I thought, like you said in the call, I thought, but we wanted to get this deal done. You're not going to work with me. You're not going to be friendly and cool about this. We're just, this is reasonable. This is standard. They're saying, oh, I totally get it. I would do this deal yesterday, but this authority figure in the back agent that's representing us, whoever is saying that we just can't do it. So you know how it goes. I would do it, but they, they won't let me do it. So I'm right. to do something different. And sometimes the best
0: negotiators are the one, the ones that can make you feel as though they have the least amount of power at the negotiating table. Husbands and wives do this all the time, too. If you're in a sales situation, oh, I need to talk to my spouse about this. When you could pull the trigger right there, you just want to give yourself some cover. You want to give yourself a little bit of time while still creating rapport uh, with the other party. Sometimes it's detrimental for the relationship if they think you're the big bad wolf. That's saying no, but if you can put it on your board, your boss, uh, somebody else, or your management yes. team, whatever, you can still retain rapport while creating very clear boundaries in the conversation.
1: That's a really important point. And to put it briefly, I've told that to the team. Hey, if, if you need air cover for something, just say, oh, you know, my COO needs to look at this, my co founder needs to look at this first. Cool. And that way I'll insert myself in it. But then it's like everyone has a boss, right? So. I will also do that. So if they think, oh, I'm top of the totem pole, like Brandon can make the decision on this. If I feel like I need time to review it or we're in left field or I don't understand something and I need to know more about it, I'll say on the outside, this is looking like we're really close, but I need to go review it with my co-founder because we're co-founders. So we have to do stuff together, obviously. So that's sort of similar to using a spouse of saying like, ah. I can't make the decision just by myself. But Ryan and I also have that because we can say, "Oh, we're really close. You've got both of the founders on board, but we need to go review it with our board." We're a small company, but a bigger company could say the board could even say, "Well, gosh, that sounds really good to us, but we're going to have to take it to the shareholders." <laughs> right? So right. It's like, there's always some level of authority where you can say, oh, "Well, we're going to have to take it to you know in this other vote or you know, and then the shareholders could say, "Well, I don't know. Let's go ask the customers. They're the most important, right?" And so you just you keep them. There's ways to get air cover. For some of these things to help them get done that's brilliant, I
0: love it. Well, thank you again. The sparring session was a lot of fun. You did an awesome job, and I know the the audience is going to get a lot out of it, so thank you for sharing.
1: I appreciate it. It was really fun
0: and before you go again, tell the listeners on the on the sparring session about a serious insight before you go.
1: Ryan Huff, my co-founder, and I started Cirrus Insight seven years ago. It was the first application to connect to Gmail with Salesforce. So we now have apps, the Chrome extension that puts Salesforce inside of Gmail. We also have an Outlook application, and add-in that does the same thing for uh, salespeople that use Outlook. So it's a really effective way to connect your Salesforce customer relationship database into your email and your calendar. It'll save you a lot of time. And it'll help you keep all your records updated without doing a lot of manual data entry. So if if that appeals to you, or if you're a shop that uses Salesforce, check us out at CirrusInsight.com. Fantastic. Thanks again. You got it.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. If you're liking what you're hearing, please leave a review and subscribe and tell your friends. Our goal is to help as many people as possible. And when you leave reviews, it makes it easier for people to find us in the searches. Thanks again for being a listener. I'll catch you in the next one.